Let's all stand together right now.
We want to welcome the man of God to this pulpit. How many of y'all been enjoying the new season preaching that's been going on? I give honor to the man of God. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for men of God that preach the word. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll say it's good to have Brother Palmer in here with us tonight. How many of y'all love Brother Palmer? Amen. God bless you. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? If you're glad to be in his presence tonight. Come on, Glenmore UPC. Let's love the Lord. How about it? Let's give God a shout of praise. If you got a voice, you got a reason to praise. If you got health and strength in your body, you've got a reason to praise. Amen. Amen. Good to see you. Good to see you. I want to remind you that there, there are families in our church that are standing in great need of prayer. Let's remember the Causey family. They, they've already suffered one great loss already this year, and this is just sort of piling on. And they need a move of God in their family and in their life. And then, of course, Brother Guy, uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen a whole lot today, haven't heard a whole lot, but I know he's still in need of prayer. And so we want to continue to lift up. Uh, Brother, Brother Guy, let's continue to lift up uh, the United Pentecostal Church. Assistant General Superintendent Brother Paul Mooney's wife passed away this week. Let's continue to lift up uh, our fellowship. There's just a lot going on in our world right now. The world seems to be, like I preached this morning, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything that can be uh, attacked is under attack right now. It seems like the substructure that holds up our very republic is being attacked right now. But as we learn today, our hope is not even in America. Our hope is not in our Constitution. Our hope is not in our political system. Our hope is in Him alone. He is our hope. And so we're going to continue to lift up all of the needs that are represented. And we are, we're praying for mom and dad. We're believing that. They're going to get a good report in the coming days. And I am, I'm just, I want you to buy with them and believe that they're going to be here Wednesday night. That God's going to bring them uh, here in the house of the Lord. And I, and I want to remind you, uh, don't, don't get upset at me, but let me just remind you that right now it's very hard to get anybody to agree on anything. And look. We, we're, we're trying our best to have church do the best we can. We got folks that aren't here. We have folks that haven't been back because they were so afraid of uh, COVID-19 and getting it and passing it on to somebody. I get that. Look, I understand. Uh, and, and I don't fault anybody for that. Uh, so we, we're still trying to do, you know, the best we can with social distancing. We're not packing the building out. We're not, we're not doing a lot of stuff to try to fill it up. We're, we're trying to just kind of ease back into this thing. So just be mindful of that. Uh, when you come around the front, just kind of maintain a little distance. Uh, I'm not discouraging you from coming and praying. Come and pray if you want to pray, but just be mindful of those that are around you. Uh, I don't want to upset anybody or offend anybody that thinks we're not doing our part. Uh, I want us to do our part. So just remember that. But hey, don't put any seatbelts on. Don't put any uh, anything like that on. Continue to worship. Continue to praise. And let's let God have his way in this house tonight. And, and I want to echo what Brother Jeremy said. Good to see my friend, Brother Palmer, here tonight. We love and appreciate him so very much. 
And I want God to do something. How many is glad that God's taken us into a new season? Are you ready for part three tonight? All right, before you're seated, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to pray, God, open the eyes of my heart. I want to go into this new season. In order to do that, you're going to have to move and remove. I can't take anything into this season with me that's going to hinder what you're going to do in my life. Father, I ask that you would allow us to leave this place with a new walk tonight, with a new understanding and a new vision of what you want to accomplish in this place. Clap your hands tonight before you are seated. You can be seated. Back in March of 2020, a man named Nick Walinda, a tightrope walker from a family of high-wire acrobats, walked across a tightrope 1,800 foot over an open, active volcano in Nicaragua called Messiah Volcano. As he walked, it was spewing up gases and updrafts that took him nearly 30 minutes to get across it. He's already walked across a tightrope and a high wire over Niagara Falls, Times Square, Manhattan, and the Grand Canyon. But this was his longest, most difficult act to date. His great-grandfather was a man by the name of Carl Walenda. He came from Germany in the 50s, and his family, known as the Amazing Walendas, were the most famous acrobatic family in the world, and they were the final act for decades in the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus, the greatest show on earth. Nick Walenda is a Christian and listens to Christian music as he walks across the high wires in life and death situations. His great-grandfather, who began this amazing family of acrobats, fell to his death in San Juan, Puerto Rico in 1978 while walking across a tightrope above the town center. He was 72 years old. He had done over 200 of these high-wire walks. But in 1978, it was an unbelievable act as the world on national TV watched him fall to his death in 1978. And it was unbelievable that he fell because it was nowhere near some of the feats that he had successfully completed. But he fell to his death from over 10 stories high over the town center of San Juan, Puerto Rico in 1978. In a documentary about this family, his wife gave an insight into this. She said that this uh, he had done this hundreds of times, but she said this in the interview, and it was so amazing to hear. She said this, that all Carl thought about in the three months leading up to this walk in Puerto Rico was falling. It was the first time he had ever thought about it, and it seemed to me that he put all of his energies into not falling rather than walking across the tightrope. She said he was virtually destined to fall, end quote. Now think about that. A man who had done this hundreds of times without a net, without a safety harness, in what would seem to be his easiest tightrope walk, failed to his death, and his wife said the reason it was was for the three months leading up to this, all he thought about consumed his life was he believed he was going to fall. 
Because those words, think about it, are just so revelational. Because as children of God, we are commanded to walk. We are commanded to follow God. We are commanded to walk where he leads us. But I have discovered in my 41 and a half years in church and around church that we spend most of our time, an incredible amount of our lives, worrying about not walking, but worrying about trying not to fall and trying not to fail. And going into a new season with God where you step into things that God has called you to do and to be. We can spend all of our energy trying not to fail God and trying not to fall and hurt our reputation and hurt ourselves that it will cause us to retreat back into safety instead of doing what God told you this week, stepping forward into a new season and new growth that God has for your life. The scripture tells us that we are to walk in the spirit. And if we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust thereof of the flesh. The key to being successful to God, I found, if I could pinpoint it to one thing, is to walk in the spirit and you won't find yourself being drawn in the things of the flesh. Man's entire relationship with God began as a walk. If you go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Genesis, with Adam and God, his relationship was based solely on walking with the Lord in the cool of the day. He had a relationship with God where God would literally come down in some type of form in this garden and he would walk with Adam in the evening time, in the cool of the day. I'm sure they had conversations. I'm sure the Lord gave him revelation and insight and there was a communion that Adam had with the Most High God. It began as a walk with God. And if I could categorize what it means to follow the Lord in 2020, from the time of Genesis all the way to this time now, you and I must have a walk with God. We must walk with the Lord every single day of our lives. Out of the 212 times in Scripture that speaks of our walking, we are told how we are to walk with God. We, we are told that we are to walk uprightly, Psalms 84 and 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. If you want God's bounty and God's provision and God's promise to be loosed in your life, then the Bible says you walk uprightly, and God is not going to withhold anything from your life. We are told that, and if I can be real plain, that speaks to our moral character. It speaks to who we are really on the inside. The real test of loving God is not dressing right to sing in the choir or to get on the platform. The real test in serving and walking with God is being who you are supposed to be for God at all times. You're not different on Sunday than you are on Tuesday. You're not different on Wednesday than you are on Friday. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to thee O God not just when I'm on the platform on Sunday but when I'm walking in the halls of my school or in the office cubicle on my job I've got to walk uprightly if I want to please the Lord 
But the scripture doesn't start there. It says that we have to walk worthy. Ephesians 4 and 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. How many of you know that God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light? God has placed giftings and talents and expertise in the life of his people. He's called us to be ministers of righteousness in this world. But we are called to walk worthy of the ministry that God has called us to. That doesn't mean being a preacher on Sunday and a reprobate on Monday. We've got to walk worthy of the anointing and the calling that God has placed in our hearts. And then we're told that we are to walk humbly. Micah 6 and 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. But there's something that I have learned in the years of walking with the Lord. That there are so many people who are completely and totally driven by their emotions. They are emotionally driven people. In one day, they can go from speaking in tongues, prophesying, giving words of wisdom and knowledge. And by that afternoon, when they were doing all that in the morning... They're wondering if God even loves them, if the church loves them, if the pastor loves them. And they become an emotional wreck, unable to help or minister to anyone because an emotionally driven person is an unstable person. One misstep in their day and they're like the Walendas. They're going from the lofty heights of power and they are plummeting to the bottom to die an agonizing death at the hands of somebody's opinion of them. Because they are emotionally driven. Hear me, church. You have to learn to control your emotions or your emotions will control you. Well, well, how do I do that, Pastor? I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. How do I control my emotions? How do I not get bogged down in the feelings of inferiority? How do I live and not get stuck in feelings of depression? How do I function as a child of God in a world that's designed to bring me down and an enemy that, that knows how to cause me to fall and who plays with my weaknesses and knows all my hang-ups? How do I live a life as a child of God without totally and completely collapsing under the pressure here's how you want to know how you do that you do it by walking I'm going to help you tonight walking yes walking everybody that I've ever met has moments where they feel inadequate. Moments where they feel imperfect, lousy, and substandard. Everyone has days of weaknesses, incompetence, and they feel their life is full of deficiencies. But the difference between a stable walk with God and instability in God is that some people set up camp there, they wallow around for a while, they get a P.O. box there, they build a campfire, and they stay for a spell. While others that get that feeling they get it, but they say, hey, I'm not staying here. I'm walking out of this mess. 
Everyone has feelings of anger. Everyone has moments of acrimony and outrage and enmity. Some put up a dwelling and stay there until they have successfully sabotaged every relationship in their life. Their marriage, their kids, their co-workers, their friends. Until everyone on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram has been made aware of the injustice that they suffered. But some of us feel the same anger. But we say, I'm not living here. I'm not staying here. I'm walking out of this place. This is toxic. This is poison for my purpose. This place is a destruction for my anointing. I'm going to walk out of this valley. Forget it, devil. I ain't living here. The psalmist David said, yea, though I walk through. Listen, you got to learn how to walk through some stuff and not set up housekeeping and build a foundation and pitch a tent. You've got to get up and walk out of that place. Does this make sense? Everyone gets offended. But some get on the phone. Some tear down statues and monuments. But others say, forget this, I'm not staying here. The difference between you and your neighbor is not that their Holy Ghost is any better than yours, their life is any better than yours, their kids are any better than yours, their spouse is any better than yours. The difference is they just keep on walking. Let me help you tonight. I'm not going to be long, but let me help you. You got to keep on walking. You've got to keep on walking. You can live in a fence if you choose, but I choose to keep on walking. You can live in anger and bitterness if you want to. You can live in a constant state of offense. You can live in a constant state of everybody's out to get me. Everybody's out to destroy me. Nobody's lifting me up. Everybody's bringing me down. You can buy property in this valley if you want. But as for me and my house, I'm going to walk out of this valley. I'm not going to stay here. Yes, I have moments of inadequacy. Yes, I have moments of flesh. Yes, I have moments where the enemy tries to to bring me down but the difference between you and me is you decide to stay there and wallow but as for me I'm going to get up and get out of this place I'm just walking through I'm not staying here you got to learn I can't live here Isaiah 40 it's a very famous scripture that says but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength Watch, watch the progression. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, nothing happens in Scripture by accident. If I were writing that Scripture, I would have done it totally different than God gave it to Isaiah. Because we believe that the first step is you got to walk before you can run. And then you got to run before you can fly. But isn't it intriguing that the scripture puts it another way? First you fly, then you run, and then you walk. Because anybody can fly the night they get the Holy Ghost. Anybody remember the night you got the Holy Ghost? You had to duck your head to keep from hitting the exit sign when you went out the door because you floated out to your automobile. 
Anybody remember how high you were spiritually the night God saved you and filled you with the Holy Ghost? Anybody can fly the night they get born again of the water and the Spirit. But you, you can't keep your feet on the ground. And for a week or so, you come out of the clouds and then you're running. I mean, you're running. Can't nobody catch you. Pastor can't catch you. Your spouse can't catch you. Your kids can't. I mean, you're running. You're running around the, the job. You're running. The people at work, your coworkers can't catch you. You're just running, 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 running. You're just running, running, running. And for a week or two, it's easy to run. But it's when their feet hit the ground and their goosebumps are gone and the atmosphere of church is gone and the choir is dismissed and the church is locked up and the lights are turned off and the screens are shut down and they say, Jesus I don't feel anything but I'm going to put one faith foot of obedience ahead of the other and then I'm going to take another step and another step and another step listen I baptized a lot of people and prayed a lot of people through that knew how to fly and they knew how to run but they never could figure out how to walk by faith they never could figure out how to stand on their own two feet and put one foot ahead of the other and walk through valleys and trudge through trials and come through furnaces and lion's dens. Listen, honey, anybody can live for God the first week you get the Holy Ghost. The question is, when the preacher's not there to lift you up, do you know how to walk with the Lord? <laughs> Hear me tonight, church. I'd rather see you walk with him than preach to vast congregations. I'd rather see you walk with him than direct large choirs. I'd rather see us walk with him than build the buildest building in our city. I'd rather see us walk with him than house seminars and conferences on church growth. He'd rather you walk with him than he would you work for him. You see, we put the work of God a lot of times ahead of walking with God. We, we're, we're good at being Martha, but we're terrible at being Mary. We want to hit the ground and do something for God every day. But can I tell you before you do anything in God, as far as work's concerned, you need to get your feet on the ground and your hand in his hand and learn how to walk with him. If you try to work for him before you learn how to walk with him, you're going to fall flat on your face. You're going to come tumbling down. What you and I need to get down more than ever is, God, I'm walking with you tonight. He'd rather you walk with him than preach about him. He'd rather you walk with him than sing and proclaim him. I'm asking somebody, how are you going to take Jesus to a hurting world unless you're walking with him? We are so hung up on what we do for God, the work, that we lose the concept that first and foremost, I got to walk with him. I need to pray. I need to have communion with him. You see, he told Martha, that, that Mary has desired the better thing. Now, I'm not saying that the work of God's not important. I'm just saying that there's one thing more important than the work of God, and that's the walk with God. Because the work of God cannot be sustained by somebody that's not walking with God.
And can I tell you the most important part of your day is the 15 or 20 minutes you spend before you get out of that house and go do the work for God. That time you spend alone in his presence in the cool of the day walking with him. How are we going to tell the sick about a healer that doesn't have a hold of our hand? I'm here to tell you that there's nothing higher, nothing loftier, nothing bigger, nothing greater than for men and women to walk with Jesus. What did I tell you couple weeks ago if you want to be much for God you got to learn how to be much with God there's nobody in this world that can be much for God that wasn't first much with God David was powerful in public but before David was ever powerful in public he was powerful in private and if you're going to want God to put you on a platform of publicity to be used you got to be great for him in your closet before he ever provides a platform to use you walk with him I am persuaded that Jesus is going to be very unimpressed with me on judgment day when I hand him my business card that says pastor. That doesn't impress him. That doesn't move the needle of the heart of God. The position that you and I hold doesn't impress him. The sermons that I have preached will not impress him. The things that I do will not impress him nearly as much as living a life where every day I've got my hand in his hand and his hand in my hand. And if somebody doesn't see me, it doesn't matter. And if nobody sees me, it matters even less. In my private life and my public life, what people see and what they don't see really doesn't matter near as much as whether or not he sees my hand in his hand. I'm calling for the saints of this church that are wanting to go into a new season to walk with him. I'm calling for our Sunday school department to walk with him. I'm calling for our praise team and frontline members to walk with him I'm calling for our musicians to walk with him I'm telling you my friends you gotta walk with him if nobody applauds you walk with him anyway if no one cheers you on walk with him anyway if nobody stands up for you walk with him anyway well I feel so alone walk anyway well I feel like that, 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 that I'd rather do that no 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 you gotta learn to walk with him if I'm looking for a singer for this church I'd rather have somebody that walks with him than somebody that has perfect pitch. If I'm looking for a leader, I'd rather have somebody that walks with him than somebody that's got innovative and sharp ideas. This new season is all about this. Who are you walking with tonight? You ever got out of your house and you're driving down the street in your neighborhood and you see two friends and they've got their, their tennis shoes on and they've got their exercise gear on and they're walking. You ever seen that? You ever seen two people? You know, they're, 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 you can tell they're trying to lose those last few pounds. And they, they've got their exercise garb on. They come by my house all the time. It's, it's just all kind of people. And they're just walking. They're, they're just walking. And nine times out of ten, I have no idea who they are. 
I don't know their name, what they do for a living. You know, the only thing I know for sure is when I see them walking together, I know this for a fact. Those two are friends. Because when the Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And so I know, if I don't know how much money they make, what kind of car they drive, what kind of house they live in, what their spouses, you know, I know this. They're friends. Because when you're walking together, what are you doing? You're talking. And you're talking about everything under the sun. But that's what two friends do. No subject is off limits to two friends that are trying to get those last few pounds off. I mean, they talk about everything. If you see two people walking together, you can rest assured one thing. They're friends. And can I just step out on a limb tonight because that's where the fruit is. You can't be God's friend if you won't walk with him. Abraham was called the friend of God. You want to know why? Because when God got ready to destroy the plain cities, he said, how can I keep this from my friend? Come on, boys. We got to go talk to Abe. I got to let my friend know what I'm getting ready to do. Do you feel like you're always wondering what God's going to do next? That's a sure sign. You're probably not walking with him. Because if you're walking with the Lord, he's not going to withhold things from you. He's going to give you direction. He's going to know what let you know what's around the corner. A friend that you walk with is going to tell you the things that you don't. Hey, when you start walking with somebody, guess what? They're going to share all the secrets with you. Do you hear what so-and-so did? Did you see what? Have you heard? Are you aware? Let me tell you. That's what friends who walk together do. No subject is off limits. Do you understand that, that the Bible says the sons of Issachar, they were special and extraordinary men because they had an understanding of what God was doing in the times in which they were living. I, I just got to tell you, I don't know much about the sons of Issachar. I hadn't studied them a lot. But just by knowing what God had up his sleeve and what he was doing, you got to walk with him. You've got to go where he's leading you. You got to have your hand in his hand. Come on. God shows me things about this church. You want? It's not because I'm special. It's because I'm walking with him. If you want to know what to do next, get your hand in the hand of the man that can calm the water. He'll show you what to do. He'll lead you in what to do. Just, just go ahead and stand with me. I told you we're going to keep you long. God is calling this church into a new season. But you and I have got to be more concerned about walking with him and doing his will. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't run out just yet. Listen to me. You've got to be more concerned with walking with him than you are falling in favor. Can I tell you the thing that held me back from doing what God was calling me to do more than anything? Growing up. You see, I had a call of God on my life way before I ever answered it. But what held me back more than anything was believing that as soon as I said yes to God, 
I was saying yes to the possibility that I was going to fail and fall and disappoint him. Do you know what holds people back from stepping into a calling and a ministry and something that God is drawing them to do? It's fear of falling. It's fear that I'm not going to live up to what God has called me to do. If, if you and I were to get together and, and we were to walk, and, and we were to walk from here to Oakdale together. You would learn things about me on that trip that you didn't know about me. I promise you, no matter what kind of facade I tried to put on, it would come out. It would slip out. You, you, you'd get the real, unfiltered, unabashed me. That, that's what you would get. You would find out things about me that you didn't know. Because when you walk with someone, the walls come down. How many of you would be honest and say, you know, I feel like God's calling me to, to just walk out on this limb, to step out of the boat to get outside of my comfort zone in this new season. But I'm so afraid. What if I fail? And what if I fall? I'm so afraid that if I yield to the call that God has placed on my life, that I'm going to embarrass myself and I'm going to embarrass God and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to fall. Would you like to know how to guarantee that you're going to fall? Ask Carl Walinda if you ever get a chance. His wife said he'd done this hundreds of times, but this was the first time he was fixated on not falling. I heard Brother Tenney say this years ago in a minister's meeting, and he certainly didn't coin the phrase. But he said, when I stand before God, he said, the thing that's going to bother me more than anything is not going to be the mistakes I made, but it's going to be the risks I didn't take for God. That when this thing is sifted down and all the accounts are settled and I stand face to face with the Lord, the thing that's going to haunt me is not that I've failed God. We got mercy and grace and blood for falling and failing. But it's going to be the things that God impressed me and called me and tried to push me out of my comfort zone to do. But I was so afraid of my image and I was so afraid of falling and failing that I didn't step out. Have you ever heard of a woman and if I told you her name you would have a clue who I was talking about. 
but she didn't go by her name. She went by a handle. And her handle, every person in here knows who she is. Her handle was Mother Teresa. You heard of Mother Teresa? Mother Teresa was just a regular, average woman. She was riding a train. And she looked outside of the train as she was going through India. And she saw the slums and the lepers and the homeless and the broken. And she said, in every one that I looked at, I saw the image of Jesus. And it challenged her to give up everything that she had and step out and do what she felt like she was called to do. I'm telling you that every step I have ever taken for God, I was afraid. I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if I was going to make it financially. I didn't know if it was, was going to turn out the way that I felt like I wanted it to turn out. Every new season that I've gone into in living for God, I had to struggle with inadequacy, with fear, with inferiority. I'd never done it before. But I had to choose. Do I want to step forward into growth and what God's calling me to do? Or retreat back into safety? And there comes a point in your life when you got to decide, I want to do something for God far more than I fear failing and falling. So tonight... As we bow our heads and we close our eyes, and I feel a beautiful spirit of the Lord here. I'm telling you that even following the Lord, even coming and repenting and being baptized in His name and filled with the Holy Ghost, even that has its own sometimes fear attached to it in a way of, what if I can't live up to the calling of God? What if I can't be like Sister Goins? Or what if I can't be like Sister Melissa? Or what if I can't be like this one or that one? Folks, we're not comparing ourselves among ourselves. You just got to have faith and confidence to step out and flow and follow what God's calling you to do. God has incredible ministries that are wanting to be birthed in this church. But we got to have men and women that say, I'm leaving the old season and I'm going to walk into a new season in God. He told Isaiah... He said, Isaiah, you got to forget the things that are behind you. Remember not the things of old. I'm getting ready to do a new thing. I'm going to make streams and rivers in the middle of the desert. I, God, am going to do a new thing. Are you ready for God to birth something new in your life? Are you ready to go into a new season? I promise you, you're going to feel inadequate. You're going to feel like you're not enough. You're going to feel like you're not equipped. But if you will take a step, you're going to find God's power is made perfect in your weakness. You just got to start walking. I don't know how this is going to end up. It doesn't matter. You just start walking, following God.
Let him lead and orchestrate and guide you. Would you lift your hands all over this building right now? Would you just lift your hands? God, you're calling me. God, you're prompting me. God, you're moving me. You're moving me, God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's love the Lord. Come on, let's love the Lord. Let's love the Lord. Let's love the Lord. We're moving into a new season, God. But I'm going to have to follow you. I've got to walk where you're calling, where you're leading, where you're directing. Come on, in the name of the Lord, I want you to lift your hands and begin to just magnify the Lord. Come on, I'm following you, God, into a new place, into a new season. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, just reach out to him right now. Just reach out to him. 